stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone. Good news. They turned the power back on. Again. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. There's, there's some explaining to do here, folks. <laughs> I'm Andre Harrison, and welcome to episode 108 of Motorsport 101. I'm going to cut to the chase and explain what's happened. Last week, I wasn't on the show even though I was meant to be, and the reason why I wasn't was because my electric company said, oh, we're going to have a power cut sometime between 9pm and 2 in the morning. We don't know when it's going to be. So I thought... I'm not going to chance it. Let me not be on this week's show. Just in case my power cuts in the middle of a recording. Turns out it didn't happen until like like half 11. And shut up, my phone's going off at somebody from work as well. This is really not my day today. (laughs) Okay? No. um, But, yeah, like, it happened at 11.30, so I could have probably crammed the recording in before it happened so sadly i wasn't on the show that was a pain this week comes along we recorded about 45 minutes of show and then my house got a power surge just now and i lost my side of the recording again (laughs) so what was meant to happen last week actually happened this week (laughs) So this is like the second time I've had to record this intro. It's really annoying. (laughs) So, once again, I am a figure of ridicule on my own podcast. This never happens. Honestly. Like, isn't that right, Ryan King? (laughs) Yes, yes. It obviously never, ever happens. Like, we never talk about that trip to York. (laughs) You fucking bastard. (laughs) This is not fair. Uh, this is not fair at all. Um, ugh, RJ, comfort me, please. Um, I don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was biting my tongue, not to. Sh- I was biting my finger, just trying not to like bust out in the laughter here. Uh, yes, we have, we have recorded this several times. This is like our. This is like the second time we've gone through this now. Um, I, I don't know what to expect. I, I was, I was gonna do my racer dot com commenter gimmick, and now I'm too flustered to do that. <laughs> RJ, save that recording, send it to Lewis. It'll be a really great post-credit scene. <laughs> oh no. Yes, can I be can I be on ESPN2 now at the hours where nobody's going to watch me because they're all at work? <laughs> well, work. You're 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 assuming that their fan base goes to work. Oh, oh shit! Sick burn! Hashtag free Jamel Hill. Um <laughs> In the meantime, places you can catch us real quick. We are on motorsport101.net. We are on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Thanks to everybody who's been subscribing. We just crossed 1,500 subscribers. Yay! Yeah! 
It's not quite as enthusiastic as the first time we talked about this on the podcast. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we're also on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash motorsport underscore 101. And if you want to follow our personal Twitters, we are at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, that's with two Ks, and at RJ O'Connell. And if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 send us a 50,000 plays present that'd be really nice of you we're trying to save up for that for that brand new mclaren f1 that's going to go on auction real soon apparently it's going to get like 12 yes. to 15 mil you know like just, i'm good. just saying it's, it's it's only been driven 150 miles and it still has its one-of-a-kind tag hoyer watch inside of it <laughs> no we don't want this to end up in the hands of rowan atkinson you've seen what that man does with mclaren f1s and we promise you we promise you, we will raffle off that Tag Heuer watch if we win. Oh, sick. That, that's a prize. That, no, no, that is a prize. <laughs> like, guys, seriously, you got to get in on this. Like, All we need is, like, you know, 12, maybe 15 mil. Maybe 15.5 to cover the import costs. Like we'll, like, we'll have to work out a car sharing program, but I think we'll figure this out. Maybe. maybe. Right? <laughs> Like, the thing that will break us apart is uh, his, us trying to fight over this McLaren F1. Like, Zoe, we're, you're on backup, just in case. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I'll threaten to form a breakaway podcast. <laughs> Taking right. my talents to Amazon Prime, baby. <laughs> Hashtag Motorsport 102. No! <laughs> It's like, let me get this straight. You had the chance to create any motorsport show you want, so you just thought, I'm just going to copy the last one that came out? <laughs> you savages. <laughs> gotcha. So, without further ado, and hoping our power holds on to the end of this podcast, let's get into Keeping It 101 again. <laughs> segment about Forza 7 prepared for you, but we're not going to save that till the end of the program so we don't sound like we're repeating ourselves for the 15th time. You're welcome, everybody. Um, In the meantime, we're going to talk about... Oh, no. (laughs) What are you you saying, oh, no? You're acting like your country did not qualify for the World Cup. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, um, uh, How do I explain this? Um, You know... You know myself, me and King, we're Americans. I'm, I'm pretty much, a, I'm somewhat invested in soccer, not as much as maybe other sports, but you know, I still follow pretty much, you know, what the U.S. men's team is, what the U.S. national team is going to do on like big stages. I obviously love my beloved Atlanta United FC, who are kicking ass in their first season in MLS. Um, Going back to that, you know, the U.S. men's national team has had a pretty interesting ride. And even though they had to change coaches from Jurgen Klinsmann to Bruce Arena, even though a lot of their star players from the likes of Clint Dempsey to Josie Altidore to even Christian Pulisic, um, they haven't been performing up to their best. But, you know, it's it's the CONCACAF division. It's very top-heavy. There's only, like, three world caliber teams in every year and you know, the United States been one of them. I mean, my goodness, did you see what they did in the 2014 World Cup? They were looking they were looking pretty solid. And maybe one of the bounces had gone one way or the other. Maybe they'd be in, like, the semifinals at least. So, you know, you got to think, like, 
Yeah, they've got they've got a good chance. I know they're stumbling, but you know, they it's not like, you know, they would totally totally miss the whole thing, right? And then last week happened. My God, King, who is that at the top of the ramp? It's Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> we got beat. It was a two-on-one handicap match. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love this, by the way. I can, I can, I, if I drink alcohol, I'll be cracking open a nice cold beer with the boys right now as we speak. <laughs> as RJ describes this pain of the United States men's national team losing to Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> yes, yeah. For those who don't know, for the United States to, you know, finish in the top three of CONCACAF qualifying to guarantee a spot in the World Cup, they they ended up in a situation where they needed to either win or draw against the Caribbean nation of Trinidad and Tobago. Um. Yeah. I mean, King. This is a this is a good team right what's their biggest rivalry game and how did they vary against that main rival um well uh their main rivals is the fellow fellow caribbean nation of jamaica against their you know eponymous team the reggae boys trinidad and tobago their team being known as the soka warriors and let's just say Jamaica is, even against Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago are not really been on level pegging in recent years. Yeah, that's um, They lost 2-1 to one on a crappy field with seemingly no energy based on all the reports that I've read. It's, it's a bad look. And then you have to take a step back. And you gotta realize that it's up to the U.S. women's team, three-time Women's World Cup winners, to go out here and save the United States' ass soccer again. Ooh, I don't. I don't even think that's going to be a thing anymore. Because like we're talking about same week that you know United States fails to qualify for the World Cup, we got we got Alex Morgan going crazy at Epcot and getting kicked out of Disney World. <laughs> What the hell did Alex Morgan do to get kicked out of Disney World? Apparently she went on like a rampage and got kicked out tried, of Disney tried World. To, tried to steal BB-8 from the Star Wars exhibit. <laughs> <laughs> That's my girl. <laughs> Love you, Alex Morgan. That's my story and I'm sticking with it. Manchester oh. United's is... finest, Alex Morgan, may I add. <sighs> This okay. is bad, especially when you consider that Fox Sports just paid a butt ton to get the World Cup broadcasting rights. Wasn't it like and half a billion to get those rights? Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> and and the home in team's not even gonna be in them. King, Panama made it in, and you guys didn't. I mean, <sighs> bruh. Panama. We've lost, we've lost to a Van Halen song. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, you weren't the only big hitter that didn't make it in. Like, Chile didn't make it in either. Chile Chile didn't make it in what? No, Chile didn't make it in. But it was like, at least South America's like super competitive though. Yeah, like, to be fair, it was like any three of five that really could have gone in there. And Brazil got in comfortably. Argentina were on the brink after Ecuador scored against them in the first minute. Argentina. (laughs) But then Lionel Messi, who... Basically replicating the entire second half of his career to date, 
put the entire team on his back and scored a hat trick to get Argentina over the line, kicking See, and screaming. I could take that. I could take that over just feeling <laughs> like, yeah, you got edged out to Panama and it felt like an absolute crushing disappointment instead of just ending up on the shit end of an ultra competitive uh, qualifying battle. Yeah, to be, listen, to be fair, take some solace in the fact that the Chileans aren't in, and as a result, like Arturo Vidal immediately announces retirement from international football. The Dutch didn't make it in either. Um, I mean, but the Dutch have been, you know, the Dutch. Crap, They've been like, last, yeah. <laughs> yeah, two or three years. And Iron Robin was like the last really good player the Dutch had left, and he announced his retirement from international football after the after their last qualifying game, saying, mm. ironically, the glass man was the one who lasted longest, which I thought was quite funny because he <laughs> had this mm. really bad knack of being injury-prone for years. And... Matt, do you know how to dribble with your feet? <laughs> <laughs> He's too busy trying to find the sugary drinks. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, a lot of fairly big hitters didn't make it in, which if, if, if you want to take some, you know, some solace in that, I guess... You've got that. I know it's not much, but yeah, it's not much solace when you when you're missing the World Cup finals for the first time since the Reagan years. Yes, it's the first yeah first World Cup miss since 1987, when the MLS was but a gleam in Lamar Hunt's eye and the tentative <laughs> plans to get the World Cup the last time. Yeah, and apparently the, get to, for us to get the World Cup this time, we had Fox shell out a whole bunch of money for. You know, the first World Cup of their contract, not including the United States. So, like, who are you guys going to adopt as your nation to support in the World Cup now? Mm, I don't know. I'm on the fence. Are we going to hop on the England wagon? Come on. You know you want to. I mean, I bet you guys can't wait for our inevitable second round exit. Good one. Get back to me on that in about six months. Yeah. Oh my god. Like, uh, I'm I'm on the fence between like first like instantaneous we're out moment into like it's either England or Germany. Like The Germans are pretty cool. And they're young too now. They got they've got a bunch of youngins coming through like Timo Werner and Joshua Kimmich and you know, they're a, they're a fun team. You know, Thomas Muller will lead the way. He's one of my favorite players in world football. Freaking love me some Thomas Muller. Um, he's basically the nearest thing you get to, like, a German farmer who wears leather hosen for fun and bops around <laughs> and dances. I fucking love Thomas Muller. <laughs> I, I proudly own a, a Bayern Munich Thomas Muller shirt because Johnson told me to buy one one time. I was like, yep, gotta have it. It's in my size and everything. It's a Thomas Muller shirt. I've gotta have it. It's one of my glorious shirt collections. Fantastic. But yeah, back England for inevitable disappointment because the disappointment of England, we win all our games, but we are such a boring team to watch. It is ridiculous. Should Never that matter? England. Should that You win? That's the thing. It's, it's why we're so high in the rankings, because we never really lose unless it's like a proper tournament knockout I game. don't know. King, back me up on this, okay? Stiflingly conservative and boring football and lots of round of 16 losses. Y'all, that feels right at home for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weren't you guys like, like one extra time away from beating the Belgians at the last World Cup? Yes, we were. Yeah. <sighs> 
Goddamn Ginger Prince. Goddamn Prince William. Courtois! <laughs> 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 Tim Howard pulls out the game of his life and the Americans still couldn't make it in. I remember watching that game from a shisha bar. It was great. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, let's 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 quickly get to the United States side of things where the retribution has been swift and it has been unforgiving. Bruce yeah, Arena Bruce has Arenas been fired gone. again. Bruce Arena <laughs> is gone. <laughs> he jumped hey. before he was pushed. The President of the Federation has announced that he will not be resigning because obviously he wants to be on board when that World Cup comes to town. Taylor oh, Twellman yeah. has flipped his lid. I don't know what Alexi Lawless has done. I oh assume my. he's Alexi just jumped L- off the Titan Tron. Yeah, Alexi Lawless went on a rant saying that we live we live in a North America where it's like where qualifying for the World Cup is no longer a birthright. We're winning the Gold Cup is no longer a birthright. The United States has to fight to actually you know perform well in the international stage. Like, no, to even be on the international stage. It's not looking to even be, like, compared to European countries anymore. It's even to even, you know, have the chance to compete against European countries. Yeah, there's a there's a rumor that the prestigious Columbus crew, one of the founding teams of Major League Soccer, a league that, ironically, despite the U.S.'s national oh, the, team the Columbus troubles, crew is doing great. Yeah, the Columbus crew might be moving out of town. Yeah, the Columbus crew had the first soccer-specific stadium in the United States. Damn. But they won another one, and if they don't get it, they're going to leave. Yeah, they're going to be moving to the multicultural international hub of the 21st century, Austin, Texas. Football of the Americas, <laughs> Football baby. of the Americas. Because uh, the the beloved home of the Columbus crew, uh, being one of the first soccer-specific stadiums in 1999, when the MLS was still young, ha- has no luxury boxes. It's, it's pretty much what it says on the tin. It's a stadium. It has seats. It has bathrooms. It has concessions. Nothing much else. And... The new owner of the Columbus crew is like, I want a new stadium. I don't have any money. Like, we sell out all our games, but our stadium is fairly small. So we're like, I think they're like 20th out of 22 in, like, total attendance. But they, like, sell out all their games. Right. So this is this meaning, like, basically asking the U.S. people to, to fund the new stadium, basically? Cause we get oh, no. No, just, just the people of Columbus, Ohio. Oh, good. Yes, and, and including my significant other, I'm sure a lot of people are not on board with this. Not that I blame them. Yeah. Great. Congratulations, King. We've got another Los Angeles Chargers on our hands here. So, apparently, uh, the Columbus crew could be moving to Austin, Texas, playing their home games at the University of Texas until, you know, a permanent home could be found for them in the city of Austin. Do they have enough space in the Coda infield? Uh, maybe because the the owner of the Circuit of the Americas was already building a five thousand seat stadium. It's far too uh, small for the MLS, but he's doing it to get a US uh USL club, which is like the United States second division. We don't have promotion. We don't have promotion or relegation, but he, he was doing that to get a USL club there. So like. ML. He might not own the team, but it could be an upgrade anyway. Sounds fun, yo. <laughs> oh, God. 
Uh, and geez. don't let anybody tell you that Atlanta is too quick to cycle through stadiums. This is partially true, but also, you know, you're not you're not Columbus, Ohio. I mean, they didn't they didn't know they didn't know that soccer would blow up so big that they would need luxury boxes. <laughs> luxury boxes in U.S. soccer. Wow, that's a thing, man. That is a thing. Neat. Thanks, Beckham. Uh, you ruined it. You ruined it. You blew it! <laughs> Thanks, Beckham. Thanks for everything. Um, yeah, just before we... We, we were originally going to have Forza 7 here, but we thought we will save that till the end of the show. But I just wanted to say a few words. Um, obviously, being a slightly British degenerate broadcaster, I have certain people that I think are really cool. And we lost a good one yesterday in Kevin Cadle passing away. Um, basically... For those guys unaware, it was not in the United Kingdom or not included in American football, Kevin Cater was basically the voice of the NFL in the UK um, and has been for a good 20 years or so now. Um, great coach in the British Basketball League, but also hosting almost every American football show you can think of that we've had on you know Channel 5 with you know Endzone and obviously now Sky Sports NFL coverage he'd done for years and years and years. Um, in the UK alongside people like Neil Reynolds and Cecil Martin and you know he was an incredible broadcaster and a a, a great dude a fantastic storyteller he was lucky enough to go to my school um, when I was 15 just to basically just inspire us a little bit and he had so many great stories about people he'd worked with um, people he'd spent time with A, a great guy a great broadcaster and one of the real, you know, motivating factors towards the international series of games we have in the United Kingdom now. Um, I think we're up to, God, four a season now we have in the UK. And he's, he was a big factor in, in, in the push for that happening. So, you know, next time you appreciate the Jags in the UK, you know why. <laughs> but uh, on a serious note, uh, rest in peace, Kevin Cadle. And, um, God, I probably wouldn't be as hardcore a fan of American football now in the UK if it wasn't for people like him. So shout out to Kevin Cadle, and obviously condolences go to to him and the family and the entire NFL UK community because that was a bummer to read that one yesterday at the age of just 62. Right, let's get into the news after this. Okay, kids, welcome to F1's Back in America week, yo. And I was going to call it the Motorsport 101 home round. Yay. Where's the enthusiasm here, fellas? This is your home round. We're, we're, crank, we're cranking up. We're cranking up the monster truck. And we're about to go <laughs> send it ramping over these 20 school buses. Oh, God. And there's going to be a fireworks show. And the fireworks are all going to explode into copies of into like the the script of the declaration of independence <laughs> sigh <laughs> we're back in coda baby y'all we've been here for five years already 
Oh my well, god. <laughs> welcome to Hamilton Land. Because <laughs> he's won four of the five races. No, I, I don't care what anyone says. It's still Mark Marquez Land in my heart, no matter who yes. races there. Yes. Yeah, this actually yes. brings us to our quest to one of the questions that I wanted to pose is that who is our honorary American driver of the year? Because um, uh, the rumors that Joseph Newgarden or Alexander Rossi might be showing up, uh, they didn't happen. Um, we've had three American drivers in the last 25 years. Um, who is our honorary American driver? Is it Lewis? Is it Sergio Perez? Is it either Romain Grosjean of, or Kevin Madison of America's team Haas F1? Um, I, I vote for Romain Grosjean because he has a lovely cookbook that's just that's due out. Um, and I'm all for decent French cuisine. So I'm I'm sincerely putting my my neck on the line and going for former second place finisher in 2013, Romain Grosjean. I'm going to go with Kevin Magnussen because he drives um, like an American. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was about to bury you. And I was like, that's a good save there, kid. Well played. <laughs> Well played. <laughs> yeah, you've also got to consider the fact that his father basically built America's, put America's sports car racing dynasty on its back. Yes. 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 Jan for life, Corvette. Jan <laughs> for life. Good times, yo. Good times. I would also like to throw out a wild card. Daniel Ricardo. No, we're not doing this. <laughs> Listen, listen. We are not feeding the Daniel Ricardo bang magnum with his stupid, shitty facial hair. Okay, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I will, King. I'm drawing my line in the sand here. This, this is not happening. We can't have this. Okay. Oh no. If, if the if the Stetson hat and facial hair ensemble does not do it, does the fact that he picked his racing number and styled that after the late great Dale Earnhardt Senior do it? No, <laughs> I'm not doing this, RJ. I'm not feeding into the Daniel Ricciardo wagon. That's normally King's doing. <laughs> okay, so it'll be up for consideration at least. No, it will not be. I will burn the nominees list if I have to. <laughs> Start again, RJ. Or is he going to have to catch these hands? I don't know, Dre. You make some pretty good points. No! <laughs> granted, granted, Sergio Perez uh, is going to have a landswell of a fan base from his net native Mexico show up. Yeah. They're like, just going to turn the F out. Yeah, last year, I think something like 50,000 from Mexico came over for the Grand Prix. It was nuts. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, Perez has got a huge hometown following coming down here. And this was even before Mexico actually got their own Grand Prix back. Amazing. Um, they, they come out in droves for Sergio Perez here. He's going to get a huge following, which is going to be a shame when Esteban Ocon inevitably finishes right behind him. <laughs> but, um, yeah, keep an eye on for that one, because Sergio is popular around these parts. Um, for sure. Um, that's going to be a good one. Um, so, like, so let's get into this one as well. We have another guy making his F1 debut this weekend. Yeah. Ooh. For the first time, I think since 1982, I want to say, we have a Kiwi in Formula One. And his, oh! And his name is Brendan Hartley, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Brendan oh, Hartley makes the jump God. over from Porsche's WEC endurance team to make his Formula One debut this weekend at the Circuit of the Americas. And 
I like that the general reaction to this on Twitter was everyone was going, hmm, that's a great left field pick. Or, or the other half of Twitter, who's that guy? <laughs> that is also yeah. true. We got a lot of that too. Um, it's like, wait, people that watch the WEC? Even I knew who Brendan Hartley was. <laughs> For those guys that don't know, Brendan Hartley was, is a prominent member of Porsche's leading WEC car. And he's basically a ballistic missile. But um, he's an excellent, excellent endurance racer. Um, one of the fastest in that category by a mile. But we forget he has been Red Bull affiliated for quite some time. And because the WEC is super license eligible, here we are, folks. Well, um, I'm pretty sure he had his like super license like for a while now. Like yeah. a long time. It looked like Helps. the closest he was ever going to get to like being in Formula One were those two years where he was... Mercedes AMG's nominal test driver of sorts. He'd also tested and been a reserve driver for Scuderia Toro Rosso and Red Bull Racing from 20, 2008 to 2010. He's won races in the. He's been a Formula Formula Three race winner. He's had some podiums in Formula Renault 3.5. So one look at his single seater resume to date, and you might think this guy's not all that special. Then we go into his sports car career, where he is your reigning Le Mans overall winner. He is about to wrap up his second World Endurance Drivers Championship. He has been pretty much the guy on this Porsche team for a number of years now. Worked under Mark Webber, whose F1 credentials need no explanation. Has regularly outperformed um, a lot of his other Porsche stablemates, the likes of you know, Timo Bernhard, who is a lifer. He's mm-hmm. been of the better of guys like Earl Bamber, Nick Tandy, even Andre Lauder, who, if you might recall, made his debut under similar circumstances. Spa in 2014, though not as good equipment. Not by mm-hmm. far. Um, Brendan Hartley is legit. And I know that this comes as sort of a happy accident because <laughs> Red Bull... Red Bull, you have you have run the well dry. But if you had, but I've always been an advocate of just like teams like actually doing something different when mm-hmm. it comes to picking drivers, even if it's just for like a one time deal. That's something that Minardi used to do, the previous incarnation of the team out of Fianza. Like they would pull drivers out of left field. When nobody yeah. wanted to give Yeah, like when nobody wanted to give uh a young 19-year-old Fernando Alonso in a chance because they didn't trust the 19-year-old driving F1 car. They went ahead and did it. Uh, when nobody could build a car for all six foot five of the late great Justin Wilson, they went ahead and did it. Because mm-hmm. I remember specifically that, that um, the, the, the headlining favorite to get that seat was everyone was saying Sebastian Buemi um, was going to be the guy. And I thought, yeah, well... It's a pretty safe call. Webby's obviously been here before. Webby's got know, credentials too. Probably. Former Formula E champion, another former World Endurance champion, has experience at Toro Rosso. Of course, you know knows the team well. Um, drove for them for a number of seasons. Didn't quite work out this time round, but um, yeah, I think it's a great left field pick, and I think Brendan Hartley's going to be a stud. And I like that a couple of people were tweeting me saying, "Guys, this is basically an audition," and I'm like. Hmm. <laughs> maybe, maybe a full-time drive in the window if he works out all right. I mean, 
we all know the little Kvyat is basically chopped liver at this point, <laughs> for lack of a better yeah. term. And if they're gonna, you know, if they really like I, I, his seat's not confirmed for next year. Like we all know, Gasly will most likely be there next year. Um, basically, giving him what they what they kind of owed him after you know a solid Super Formula season, basically to, to fill time while they sorted themselves out. Obviously, Carlos Sainz is now at Renault. And he'll be making his Renault debut this weekend as well. Of course, obviously, because he was released early from his Toro Rosso contract. And, well, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But I know a lot of people are really, really hoping Hartley works out great. Because, as they said, it, it could easily end up being an audition for maybe something bigger. Obviously, we know that Porsche's not going to be in the WEC anymore. So, And just a couple weeks ago, I do want to point out, Brendan Hartley did win his last race, the Petit Le Mans driving for particular Petroni SM and Nissan. Patron. But, um, let, let, let's stop and wait a minute, because wasn't it also rumored that one Chip Ganassi was looking for a teammate for Scott Dixon? Mm, hashtag Brendan Hartley's the linked with, Yeah, it's like, hashtag Brendan Hartley's linked with everything. Uh, <laughs> as, as he should be. He's yeah. one of the best drivers under 30 who, up until this weekend, hasn't gotten a proper crack at Formula 1. I think he's going to open up a lot of people's eyes. People in the F1 are community are excited. People in the sports car racing community are uber excited. And people in New Zealand are going ballistic. <laughs> like, you, you have to think of, like, some of the young drivers mm -hmm. of, the, of Hartley's generation. Guys like Nick Cassidy, Mitch Evans, Richie Stanaway, who were probably looking like on merit they could have made it, but for financial reasons or what have you, just never made it. And we always look back to Scott Nitson. Scott Nitson's a perfect example of an F1 caliber driver who just never got there. Only got as far as a couple of tests back in the early 2000s. But you know darn well, he had the chops to do it. Um, this is going to be fun. This is going to be really, really fun to watch. Definitely. Looking for, looking forward to seeing how he turns out. Um, like I said, I think it was a great move from Toro Rosso. And excited for it, definitely. Um, and also, magnificent hair. Yes. Great he's, hair. He's, great he's hair. got that, get, got that merry, merry style flow going. Just yeah. wonderful. Unlike Daniel Ricciardo. Right. <laughs> okay. Now, here's the thing. It says in the set list, live reaction to Kimi's confidence of Ferrari. Now, I was told um, that the, the, the guys were going to save me a Kimi Raikkonen quote. I wasn't allowed to look up and see what it was. Um, and I promised I would not, and I have not done that. Um, so, boys, okay. let me have it. Um, okay. The headline, Ferrari has potential to win last four races. Son says of a Kimi bitch. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. Really, Kimi? Go on. Go on. Um, when asked <coughs> about which of the final four races, United States, Mexico, Brazil, and Abu Dhabi offered the Ferrari the best chance of victory, Raikkonen said, any of them, as long as we do everything as well as possible. <sighs> really, Kimmy? Yeah, Kimi? continuing on, it's a bit unknown. The tracks are different from each other, so we go every weekend, 
start from zero and do the best that we can and avoid the issues and mistakes. I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows, said Raikkonen regarding Ferrari's chances in the Constructors' Championship. Sidebar, they, they got no chance. But I know we're going to push until the last lap in the last race and see where we end up. It hasn't been the greatest race lately, but I think we have the speed when they put things in the right place. That is at least something positive. Now, look, I think a lot of us have the potential to be many things, but the reality is that, you know, there's only a certain amount that we can do in a lifetime. It's like, yeah, Ferrari can win four races and the season. They can also have two, four double DNFs. Yeah, and, like, I, and, I, yeah, and I could start dating Annie Raceman. Sure, why not? Shoot for the moon, Kimmy. Why <laughs> the fuck not, right? Yeah, yeah, we're going to win all four of the last four races. Yeah, oh, honestly. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No, I, I, I will buy a Kimi Raikkonen one by 2 scale helmet if Ferrari win the final four races. <laughs> that is how confident I am that they will not do that. Like... They can win in Mexico, I reckon, next weekend. I think they have a decent chance in Mexico because I remember Vettel went very strong around there last year before he drove like a pillock. But, like, for what it's worth, Kimi Räikkönen has been in F1 in, what, 15 years now? I can't believe he was that optimistic. I've never heard Kimi that optimistic before, ever. <laughs> like... Uh, he must have had like a really good ice cream the day before or something <laughs> like to to be this like, it must have been like a ben and jerry's like double cookie dough oh or no the, this is texas we're talking barbecue mm. yeah the texas barbecue may have been a factor in this because i'm no i've never seen the man so chipper which i guess is nice i guess because you know it's good for the fan fiction because you know it's Kimmy <laughs> so they're, they're going to Sebastian Vettel says he's the best teammate he's ever had. Yeah, because yeah, because Kimi Raikkonen doesn't play the political game. He doesn't like, like Sebastian Vettel thinks he's the best teammate ever because Kimi Raikkonen is not a problem. He he plays team orders. He has no problem rolling over for him. He doesn't play the political game. You give him ice cream and vodka, and you, and you make him happy. That's literally what he said. By the way, I didn't make that bit up. Um, like. He's just playing into every meme about Kimi Räikkönen I've ever heard, and this is not a good thing because I can't stand Kimi Räikkönen, and, and like I, I've never been a fan of Kimi Räikkönen, and I've never understood why people like him so much. <laughs> but, but, oh God, look, this opt- the, like being a Ferrari fan, King, it's the optimism that kills you. It's like the last two rounds are the case in point of that. It's like, hey, we're starting first and third, we had a killer pole position. All we gotta do is get in a turn one and we're probably gonna win it. Oh, oof, no! But hey, okay, Japan. This might not end up so bad. Oh right, you mean you have a car that's worth millions of pounds crippled by a fifty euro spark plug? Fantastic. Sigh. Get Kimi the hell up out of the paint, bro. Because I've had enough of this. Like, I, 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 like, I cannot deal with for like. There's a good chance Ferrari lose both championships this weekend. Like, this is not the place for optimism. Tell me about next year's car and how it's going to eat worlds, please. How <laughs> it's going to eat worlds? What? We're going to get Bray Wyatt involved in car design now? 
We're going to nickname the next F1 car Abigail. Sebastian, <laughs> way ahead of you on this one. Like, like, and, I don't, I don't want to hear about this season no more. I've had enough. <laughs> and, and, much like, and, much like, and much like its namesake, it too will also lose most of its races on Sundays. moving on moving on um good news um from from kota this weekend they're also going pink a a lot of pink you will see because they have buddied up with the guys over at susan g conan for um, breast cancer awareness month um somebody put the hashtag nfl in here so nobody notices um (laughs) But uh, yeah, they're going pink. I mean, the the pit lane line is going to be painted pink this weekend, and in a nice gesture from Pirelli, they will be changing the uh, ultra soft tire which they'll be using for this weekend. They're going to change it from purple to pink, which is a nice touch. Um, oh, it looks lovely on that Force India. Um, the pale pink. Is oh my nice. god! I yeah, that's that's going to look so nice. Yeah, yeah, it's going to it's, it's going to it's going to look charming. So um, yeah. Uh, great, great to hear about that. Obviously, Susan G. Conan out there and Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So, you know, check if you haven't already. Please do. That'd be great. Um, so, yeah, also cool to see they're going pink. I love that some people on Twitter, like Jack Nichols, complain that fans might be confused by the tyre system. Like, guys, <laughs> if you we, can't... we just up the brightness a bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We drop this, this... the saturation and yeah. we up the brightness. Yeah, we. we... We put like the hue scale on the red a little bit, like like that towards the red side, then that works out quite nicely for us. We'll be all right. Somehow, I think we'll manage here, guys. So um, yeah, that's a thing. Good, cool for them. Lovely to see. Uh, so guys, Lewis Hamilton to win this weekend. Yeah. Mm, that that seems about right for yeah. the the person who, truth be told, might be the most American driver on the grid. Yeah. It's about as American as it gets. I also want to bring up the fact that if you go to RenoSport.com and uh, go to Jolian Palmer's page, you get a 404 error, and the the placeholder picture is Carlos Sainz in a (laughs) Renault outfit. Oh, no! Oh, my God! And the (laughs) subtitle, it's looking like you may have taken a wrong turn. Don't worry. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> oh, oh my god. That's amazing. <laughs> oh my god, why? I've just seen the picture. <laughs> and it's official Renault won the World Constructors Championship. <laughs> Let's People's Champions, Renault Sport F1 for unceremoniously dumping Jolie Obama with the big old buyout clause. The best yep. clause. And they're still going to help him get an F1, try and get an F1 seat next year. He's going to fall upwards towards Williams, isn't he? No, I'll end up at Sauber. Going to get that bread. Going to get that bread. <laughs> Share the wealth, yo. Also, bookies odds for you. Lewis Hamilton, five to six odds on. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't uh, that bet. sounds like it doesn't pay out a lot of money. Well, let's put it this way. Like... If you put a if you put a sixty pound bet on Hamilton to win, you'd get back hundred and ten. It's not wonderful. Um, it's 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 not exactly what you call a terrific return. Eight to thirteen, he's fastest qualifier, which again kind of says it all, really. 
Um, the, that on, that on, just screams on, to me. Don't bet on this. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. Bet on Val at thirteen to two because why the fuck not, right? <laughs> um, if you're really curious, if you want a price boost on Sky on Sky Bet, by the way, Lewis Hamilton to clinch the championship seven to one. Are, are you sure? Are you sure you're allowed to say that? This is for yeah. entertainment purposes <laughs> only. Yep. <laughs> Just throwing it out there, yo. Just throwing it out there. Lewis Hamilton to clinch it. 7-1. Um, if you're that way inclined. Other betting companies are you, you don't even have to call us for four ninety nine a minute. No. That's our service charge. Stick it on Patreon instead. Um, for that to happen, Hamilton would have to win and Sebastian would have to finish outside in the top five. For those guys who need a rough idea on the math required, that's probably the most likely scenario. But, you know. You don't want that to happen now, right? Right. 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 Yeah. It's gonna happen. Yay, Cody this weekend. That that sounds like fun. America! Should we get to the news, Audrey? Let's do it. Let's let's set up this old news bag. Um It's time to get incendiary. It's time to get our elbows, uh it's time to just pull our sleeves up, um, pull our ankles up get our get our best galoshes and our goggles on um we're, we're gonna be dealing something that's been you know incendiary over the last couple of years and it is mm, something that's been building for a while now if you'll recall um carmen yorda a name oh. some might remember gp3 series driver of note um of note um <laughs> former endstone f1 team test and development driver of note carmen yorda is a leading woman in motorsport just because of her position as somebody who is in you know a position as somebody who's been a part of a formula one team in recent memory that's something that a lot of other women who have been busting their butts here uh to try and get a leg up in the sport um basically have not been a they have they haven't been as close as carmen yorta has and there has always been the argument that maybe you know in terms of talent there are a lot better women than you can find than carmen yorta um carmen yorta went on went on the air and basically said that she wants a women's Formula One World Championship, which does sound nice in its in its appearance. Mm. You know, you have mm. a divide in men women's sports in like let's say soccer, tennis, basketball, what have you. Um, she believes that it would give women the chance to achieve their dreams and compete on equal footing as they would in other sports. For the record, um, can I just say that RJ is being extremely nice right now? Extremely, <laughs> disgustingly and, nice. <laughs> and I. And there was a quote that really stuck out with a lot of people, myself included. Um, the, while discussing the matter with CSM Europe, Carmen Yorda reportedly said, and it's not fair to be compared with men because we, as in women, will never be on the same level. This is what really struck a nerve. Oh. You know, this, is, this is the thing that I think rightly struck a nerve because, you know, it, it's it's different when it's you know a horde of like predominantly male um, motorsport commentators in Dallas who were just like cracking on Carmen Yorda for being 
fairly slow at a race car. Carmen Yorta could probably outrun circles at Brown Me just because of fitness. Just on the fitness alone. Like, I would last one lap in a single, in a modern single-seater car, and then I would be done. Um, Too much It's snap. a difference. If it's a difference now, when it's, when it's a woman who is in a prominent position in her sport as a female role model in motorsport, who has basically just gone down and tore down the rest of her peers with one, with one simple quote, that's not good. Yeah. And um, and quite rightly so that a lot, pretty much every prominent major other woman in motorsport, like Simone de Silvestro, like Christina Nielsen, um, have, have basically, quite rightly in my opinion, put Carmen on blast for these comments. And like Pippa Mann yeah, from Pippa the Mann, IndyCar yeah. series, like Jane Edward, Jade Edwards, who I believe races on the BTCC support bill. Yep. The it's, list goes on and on. It's a long list, and I'm, again, I'm 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 glad that many of the other prolific women out there have, have stood up for themselves and said, "Well, listen, we believe we can compete against against men, and mo- many of them have." I mean, Christina Nielsen right now is a champion, like a two-time champion. Yeah, who still. Please get Christina Nielsen a drive for next year, by the way. We just found out that with with her team merging in with another squad in so she's out of a full-time ride for 2008 as a publication. Please get Christina Nielsen a ride. Yes, please. Clap, all the clap emojis, again, for the second week in a row. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's... I found it disappointing. I've, I've, I, I do not say this lightly, but I say that I say this with all seriousness that I believe that Carmen Jordan is everything wrong with the push to have more women in motorsport. It, it's it's just such backwards logic to come out here and suggest that women could never compete with men when women have and have been beating men for quite a long time for many of them to be in the positions that they are right now. Like that's factually wrong. It's it's a wrong opinion. It's a terrible take. It's factually inaccurate. And there are two dozen great women out there in a plethora of series that are kicking their asses to to uh, you know kicking ass to get where they are right now. And who um, knows how many war will be soon to come? Yeah, um, and we'll it's amazing. talk about. Yeah, we'll talk about Forza 7 in a bit. Gran Turismo Sport, its competitor, and its commercial for the Japanese market. There is a young girl who is kicking all sorts of dudes' ass. That's Juju Noda. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the daughter of a former F1 driver, Hideki Noda. Um, yeah. If if her career pans out as it should, she aspires to be the first woman to win a Formula 1 race. She's just one of a number of young women who up from the karting to the single-seater ladder with names like Sophia Flourish and Jamie Chadwick up to the ranks of sports cars with, you know, Christina Nielsen and Catherine Legg. Um, Simona de Silvestro is doing all sorts of cool stuff in Australian supercars. It's fantastic. And, you know, it. they have shown that women can compete at the, level, at the same level of men and do a very damn good job at it. We take Absolutely. for granted how good Danica Patrick has been for over a decade. Yeah. Like, yes, like, Danica Patrick only has one pro- one notable race win that came in a fuel mileage race in Motegi. 
She's but, been there for 12 years. But that's the thing. Like, her NASCAR career has never really taken off, but she was a consistent top 10, if not top 6 runner in IndyCar for several years. Like, Danica was up there with the very best uh, at one point for a good while as well when she was in IndyCar. Before and after unification. Yes. yes. And so. Danica, like, like let's, let's just, like, bare bones... Danica was better than the average male IndyCar driver. Yes. And for many... It wasn't a fluke. It was for many years as well. She was a top 10 runner in IndyCar every year outside of her rookie season. So she was in the upper half of the field pretty much all the way through. And, and you know what's yeah. been... And you know what's been also infuriating, and I don't want to... And I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I no, do just want to point this out, because, like, you know, out of this, we've also got, like, a bunch of dudes who still believe, wrongly, that women can never compete in motorsport, um, who have just been demanding, you know, show me one woman who has succeeded and done these great things. Here are these one... Here is this list of drivers who have done these things, um, who have won races in single seaters? Yeah, but they haven't won in Formula One, have they? As if, as if, the, as if Formula One is the be all and end all of motorsports. No, no, no. It's the. It's not even like a Formula One thing. It's the I gotta move them goalposts arguments. Yeah, it's 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 the it's a stupid game of rhetoric where the person arguing the point wants to change the goalposts until until the clock runs out. It's really fucking annoying. And I've mentioned it on my uh, when I've written and blogs on the motorsport website talking about this earlier this year when it was Fernando Alonso taking part in the Indy 500 and but when Lewis Hamilton may or may not have thrown shade at IndyCar's driver quality and then IndyCar threw shade back at Lewis in Formula 1 and I just made the point of well let's be real here F1 is not a meritocracy and it probably shouldn't be the be all and end all of how we judge drivers legacies in, in motorsport because I'll give you a prime example Sebastian Bourdais was always looked at as a bust in Formula One, but his resume outside of that is utterly incredible. I mean, you don't even have to look like much farther than Bourdais. Michael Andretti is one of the yeah. greatest IndyCar drivers of all time, but he'll never, like, he'll never not be remembered for that season with McLaren. Yeah. yeah. Tom Christensen, nine-time Le Mans winner only got as close to Formula One as maybe getting a partial season with Minardi in 98. But of course, he decided to do the smart thing and not tank that offer. Yeah, so, like, it, it, the, the ideas of meritocracies in motorsport and, again, the, the push to have more women in motorsport, Carmen George's viewpoints are the ones that put that fight back about 20 years, and it just it's just it just doesn't help anybody. Though I do have an unpopular opinion. I don't know how unpopular uh -oh. it is, oh, but it is it is, oh, very, it is very it is very unpopular with one Pippa man. Oh yeah, go on. <laughs> like Dre, you know how how abhorrently I'm against the female Formula One World Championship, yes, but I massively. would be but I would be in favor for a female Formula 4 championship. Like, if there was yeah. a female Formula 4 European championship. Especially now that there's going to be an open slot on the DTM support card because, you know, European Formula 3 isn't going to exist anymore. It would, yeah. it would be nice to have an all-female series to bridge the gap between full-size, you know, racing cars and karting because there yeah. are a whole bunch of girls in karting that apparently just never make the move to cars. 
Right. So you have in good large part because of their budget. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've always liked that idea. I mean, a, an entry level series to get more women through the door would certainly help for sure. I mean, it um, reminds me of um, the Asia Talent Cup in a sense, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a great example because that is a spec series of, of Moto3 bikes where you don't need a lot of money to take part in and, and, you know, the talent really does shine through. I mean, if I'm being honest, it's not had the greatest success rate until recent times, but the last two years that have come through, we've had Jorge Martin who is now slowly turning into one of the best Moto3 riders we've had, and the two biggest names are now in MotoGP, Johan Zarco, who won two Moto2 titles, the only two-time champion in Moto2 history, and Jonas Volga, who was, again, a, a top-five runner in Moto2, multiple-time Grand Prix winner, and as, as they've both had tremendous rookie seasons in MotoGP this year. So it, it it's proven to work, and I think an entry-level series to get more women to participate is what's going to be the key here because if you if you make it easier for them to enter the pyramid or to enter the ladder of getting up there, inevitably you're bound to have more women make it to the top. At least that's how I look at it anyway. Yeah, um, and let's, let's be real here. We do live in a world where, specifically in motorsport, where there was a point in time where women could only, like, technically compete in one leg of the triple crown yeah that's not good um so anything that can help bridge that gap i'm like surely should be welcomed rather than saying oh well it's you know we shouldn't have women only leagues well yeah like i get i see where you're coming from but at the same time it's the participation that's the biggest problem here um, so anything that can help solve that problem you're, is is bound to you know make the situation better in the long run. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm glad that that has been established. And I'm, again, I'm disappointed in Carmen George's comments. I, I expected better, and it's the it's it's that archaic viewpoint which is why many people think women shouldn't be racing in motorsport in the first place. And you're and she's accidentally supporting that notion with comments like that, and that is a problem. And that shouldn't be happening, especially in 2017, where there are more prominent women in motorsport than ever. And we should be celebrating that rather than saying, oh, keep them, push them to one side and make them all fight each other rather than compete against men. Keep that for keep that for manly, menly things, you know, and that's 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 a problem. And I don't like that viewpoint. And I don't like that way of thinking. Motorsport should be for everybody. So, yeah, um, well, with an asterisk next to it in the case of King because of his idea, which you know actually does make a lot of sense on a grassroots level. Um, but yeah, Tom and Jordi, oh, uh, <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely. And if and if and of course we do have uh, we do have a number of women who have been involved with the production of the Motor Sport One Hundred One podcast absolutely. in years past. Um, please definitely give the segment a listen. Give us your feedback. And let us know how we handled this, because, you know, we always want to be just better at this sort of thing. Of course. Because, I'll be honest with you, talking about this on Twitter is difficult sometimes, because it feels like a minefield. It feels like, you like, and I'm honestly, I'm one of those guys that has a bit of a motor mouth, and has gotten this wrong on, on multiple occasions, and I, like... Boy, me too. So... It's one of those things where I hold my hands up and say, "Yeah, I'm not. I'm not the perfect feminist that people want me to be, 
but I'm trying and I'd like to think my heart's in the right place it's just a matter of being able to channel that in the right constructive way so if you're a woman listening to this show or you have a different point of view please sound off in the comments I read every single one that comes through trust me I do um, so hey if, if we're going wrong tell us you know if we, like again I'd like to think we speak with good intentions it might just be a matter of things getting lost in translation or us putting our foots in it which to me I'll be honest has happened on numerous occasions go me um, so yeah help us out here um, you know, we like we love this platform and we love what it gives us so you know all that fun stuff King shall we uh, press A to pay some respects towards Watkins Glen oh dear Yes, because the 2018 IndyCar calendar has been revealed, and the only significant change is that Watkins Glen has been replaced on the calendar with Portland International Raceway. Portland back. Portland back. Rip Watkins Glen. Watkins Glen will be fine. Um, Pretty much what this comes down to with Watkins Glen is that the track wanted a different is that somebody wanted a different date for this race and somebody wasn't going to have it and they were just like you know what fine we'll take a break i think i think it was the working center in one labor day weekend i think they wanted some other date and they just couldn't come to an agreement um yeah so it's not like Watkins was like no we don't want to be on the calendar i think it was more about we just can't agree on a date and according to Watkins glenn's statement they said that hey the door's always open to renegotiate and you know hopefully they'll come to an agreement in the future so that door's always open which is nice to hear it's the, it may not be the end of Watkins again on IndyCars you know it might just be you know taking a break finding themselves I guess <laughs> taking um, a break to take a break we're just taking we're separated um <laughs> Watkins Glen, get it together for the good of the kids. Come on, man. It's, uh, it's complicated. It, it, it is complicated. But uh, hey, Portland's back, yo. Yay. That's Portland nice, International huh? Raceway actually was the home of one of the better finishes in American open wheel history. If you have the time to check it out, go look it up on YouTube. It's the finish of the 1997 Car Grand Prix at Portland. Yes, uh, yes. IndyCar has posted the entire race up in full. The 1997 GI Joe 200. Nice. I'll have to find that later and watch it. Yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers here. So you can just kind of turn down the audio here for the next five seconds. If you haven't seen the race just yet, um, the end result, the end comes down to um, Jill DeFerrin and Mark Lundell having a drag race coming out of the final quarter um and it's a dead heat coming to the line all of a sudden raul boizel swoops in out of nowhere and decides he wants some of this action blundell edges ahead of deferrin in what was i believe the closest finish on the road course at that yes, point. yes it was the closest road course finish y'all yeah, this rate, this track can produce good racing. I know it hasn't been around for eleven years, so people kind of forget it is kind of flat. But it does, it does have its own place in the Pacific Northwestern market. It could be a good deal if they put their put their whole weight behind this and get people out to the event. 
because that's the key thing is if people don't show up for this race it's going to be right off the calendar just as quickly yep it's hoping it works out all right um besides that i mean the indycar calendar of 2018 is pretty much identical to last year's outside of that one swap around um if you want to see the whole thing it's on youtube it's very hype yes and there's also uh to be well to be determined about getting mexico city for next year where mexico city has the option to be on the calendar for the 2018 season if they can you know be ready for 2018 long straights yo (laughs) (laughs) like as i like to call it now discount monza (laughs) yo but that but that stadium section oh (laughs) that's it that stadium section is going to be awesome until lewis hamilton wins the title there next week yay but um (laughs) yeah i mean i've seen clips of it that you could do a lot worse than portland for a replacement so hey i'm all for it let's hope it works out and it should be great with these new cars, which they're doing more testing for right now, and they look pretty sweet. I love some of the banter between people like Spencer Piggott, who was testing the new cars, and Joseph Newgard saying, like, is that corner still flat out? And it's like, no, no, you got to ease off a little bit now. And it's like, mmm, tasty. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that next season. RJ, tell us about the WEC in Fuji. Um, There was a lot of fog. There was a lot of rain. There was a lot more fog. And it was called early. Toyota got a 1-2. Toyota got a 1-2, which is pretty, pretty neat. Um, but it was in the second time that this race has been shortened due to weather. Uh, they still got a lot more significant running in than they did in 2013. When, if you may recall, they only did a few laps around the pace car and then just called it a night. Because it just monsooned. Are we talking like like Malaysia 2009 levels of rain here? Yes, but imagine if Ooh. that never stopped. Oh. Yeah. That's a, that and there was no, no chance of it ever clearing up. Um, Toyota got a one-two finish. Davidson, Buemi, and Nakajima did take the overall W, which is good Yay. news for Toyota, uh, especially with the uncertainty around their LMP1 future. Um, people got a lot of flashbacks to 2013 when this started happening. I got flashbacks to 1998. If you'll recall, there was a race in what was then known as the All Japan GT Championship that was supposed to happen on May the 4th, 1998. Um, and this is a clip that's been circulated around YouTube because it's the clip where you see it and you're like, how is this person not dead? There was, a, there was an accident in the pace car laps. Um, and a driver by the name of Tetsuya Ota basically got checked up, spun around um, down the Fuji main straightaway. This was back in 1998 before they did all the renovations to the track. Along the way, somebody else loses control of their car. Impacts Ota's Ferrari right in the side. And the car just erupts into the most horrific ball of fire you have ever seen in your life. Um, that car basically rolls to the other side of the track, still burning. Um, Ota basically just has to get out of his car. Nobody else has come to it. In fact, it takes until another driver pulls over. His name is Shinichi Yamaji. Uh, he pulls over to the side in his Mazda at 7 and actually gets out a fire extinguisher and helps him 
Tetsuya out of his car before the first safety worker ever gets there. This was the incident that I think prompted Fuji to invest a lot of time and effort into renovating the circuit in the mid-2000s because that could have killed somebody. That was almost another Roger Williamson scenario playing out right in front of our eyes. And it wasn't it wasn't so much the rain. It was the fog. It was the fog yeah. that caught them out. And when the fog was that dense, I was just like, oh, goodness. I know these cars don't erupt into fireballs anymore, but this does not look good. Yeah, oh, geez. Um, yeah, that that sounded up. like an experience. <laughs> yeah, that sounded ridiculous. It reminded me a lot of like the Fuji F1 races we had in 2007 and 8. I like the King Oss. Which one was it that was ridiculously wet? Was it 07 and 08? And I said, yes. <laughs> uh, I think it was 2008, I want to say. with Because uh, they put a tip this up the other day with Kubica and Massa and their ridiculous yes, last lap two, dog fights. That was 2007. Hey, Kubica and Massa having, having, having an entertaining <laughs> scrap. Boy, this isn't prominent today. Yeah, it's like, that's the Williams. Yeah, it's like, like I said at the time, I was like, this guy W G was was purely coincidental. <laughs> purely coincidental as they drove off the track, bumped wheels, and almost got into an hellacious accident. But it was great. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. Great times, um, yo. Yes, we, uh, yep. So it did go the distance, and Toyota did get a victory, and thankfully everybody got out of it okay. Yeah. Um, and then, then we had some news happen after the race, King. Yes, yes. Oh, dear. LMP2, LMP2, what have you done? Global LMP2 was always one of the most controversial things coming out of 2017. Now, the end product is spectacular. You saw how fast these cars were at Le Mans. That was great. And it did provide a great platform for DPI, which is probably going to be the thing that saves, um, which has already been a boon for IMSA, will probably save Le Mans skin sometime down the road. If, Um, If they, you know, backtrack on them, like saying that a DPI will never race at Le Mans. Yeah, kind of a kind of a roadblock that one. Yep, um, we have a situation in LMP2 this early year where not a lot of people are buying Liges, not a lot of people are buying Riley Multimatics, not a lot of people are buying Delara. Interesting, Delara not getting many customers, but everybody wants that Orica because that chassis is so OP. So OP. Yes, yes, and. Mm. It's so OP that pretty much uh, they've been pretty much they've been given a special freeze. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say a freeze that like LMP2 is supposed to be basically spec. So what you release was what you're gonna be able to buy for a certain amount of period of time until the ACO realized the imbalance and said that. Ligier, Delara, and Riley, Riley Multimatic would be allowed to make upgrades to their car to close the gap to Orica, and Orica's not happy. In a statement, they've said that as the only as the only manufacturer not allowed to develop its car, uh, Orica finds itself unfairly penalized today, together with all the teams which have put their trust in us and have successfully entered the the Orica 07. 
In the early days of the project, all the LMP2 players had agreed on the idea of open competition between the four chassis manufacturers sharing the same rules in Engine 2. Less than a year in, we are now moving towards a balanced performance system which has done nothing which has nothing to do with this original idea. That's correct. That's that correct. They have a, they have they have a fair point to make there because when Global LMP was announced, um, there was supposed to be a freeze on development for what I believe was three to four years. Um, and just following the saga here, based on, I believe it was about earlier this, this spring, um, I've listened to a number of Midweek Motorsports episodes, um, some of which featured my, my colleague, uh, editor at Daily Sports Car, Graham Goodwin. And they had speculated that um, with the way that teams were just buying up Orica's left and right and how well they were doing in testing, that there was going to be a possibility where the ACO were going to have to backtrack on this whole idea of homologating the chassis for a number of years just to make it viable for everybody else. And sure enough, it's happened. Because wink, wink, nudge, nudge, in any open formula that hasn't been Formula One where you're allowed to buy customer cars, and it's mainly people buying customer cars, you're going to end up with a situation where one chassis is better than the other, and then everyone gravitates to that until it basically becomes a spec series. Like, you know, European Formula 3. Essentially, everyone runs the Laras. Yeah, we saw this happen in the WEC. All the full-time LMP2 teams run Oricas. Yeah. Mm. And it comes back to that old debate of do you want balance and performance in your motorsports? Um, it's a dodgy one. And, like, they make a very fair point when they came out and said, yeah, well, less than a year into an agreement, you've, you've already gone back on your word and said basically you're too good. Um, we'll make everybody else close the gap in. Um, that's not a good look for anybody involved, really, especially for the series promoters. Um, to basically go back on their word and, you know, have a balanced performance system. It's not great, to say the least. Yeah, it's not great. Again, we're in a situation where the World Enduro Championship is heading into the future, not really knowing, not really setting down what direction they really want to head in. Right, and that could be a problem we've been here before with potential wec evolution problems um so yeah let's see how they handle this latest salt mine they've dug for themselves should be fun also apparently art king some nascar happened (laughs) yes yes the the fall race at talladega the alabama 500 oh and, and apparently all hell broke loose yeah it didn't start off so eventful until we got till the final stage of the race. Final stage. Um, and Good. then and then we had not not one big one, but a whole bunch of medium-sized ones. <laughs> <laughs> it's the medium-sized and, one here at Talladega. <laughs> Doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? <laughs> yeah. 
in terms of like magnitude though like it seemed like nobody wanted to win this race and everybody was dropping like flies but the one person who always seemed to dodge the wrecks was one Dale Earnhardt Jr. in his final race at Talladega track where he's been pretty awesome over the course of his career. Alabama declared it Dale Earnhardt Jr. Day for that weekend. Aww. He got his his father's 1980 championship winning Chevrolet, which is neat. Which is neat. And he, he damn near almost won this thing despite being taken out no more than three, no less than three different wrecks. <laughs> yes. And just so you know, there were only 14 cars running at the finish of the race. That's and ridiculous. Old, I think half of them were still viable. Like, I would have, I would not have been surprised if a car that had been beat up in an earlier wreck had actually won this thing. Like, yo. Whatever you do, don't put it in pit road, otherwise we're out. Uh, it's a fender bender, it will buff out. <laughs> but yeah, I think it was Brad Keselowski that won, didn't they? Brad Keselowski won this race. Pepsi Games best... runner-up, Brad Keselowski. <laughs> Brad Keselowski sneakily becoming the new savant of the super speedways. The guys are mm. good around here. Interesting yeah. stuff. That's, yeah, uh, so just slowly trying to edge his way to be Dale Jr.'s plate race successor. <laughs> the irony is, um, everybody wanted Dale Jr. to win that final race at Talladega, and you got Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s tribute paint scheme winning the race at Talladega. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> It'll do. We'll settle for this. <laughs> Not bad indeed. NASCAR, still fun, yo. Right. Now, we have to go back to something a couple of weeks ago here. You may recall, a couple of weeks ago on the mailbag, we had a very fun question sent in by James Kalansis. Sorry if I pronounced your name wrong there, by the way. I have a bad habit of getting names wrong. Oh, Um, buddy, same. It's terrible, it's terrible. Asked 50 people to comment in on my gravy video saying, you pronounced Kvyat wrong. And I'm like, fuck off. Um, but basically, he suggested a custom Formula One calendar. Minimum 15, maximum 20 races, no street circuits allowed. Wait, what? Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, yes. So yep. that's Monaco gone, that's, that's Singapore gone. That's Canada gone. <laughs> no! That's Australia <laughs> gone. We can't get rid of Canada. Canada is a great round. Um, and as an alternative for, let's say, a more more mundane venue like Circuit Barcelona, um, Montjuich Park yeah, is, off the, is yeah. off the consideration. Um, the Norris Ring is out of consideration. Long Beach is not for consideration. Good. No one cries for Long Beach. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, no street circuits. Okay, first question. How many tracks do we have? How many? I'd say we go for old school, mid-2000s, Formula 1, and we have 18 rounds. Yeah, I'd, I'd say we could start out with 18. Yeah, if, if we really feel the need for 20, like, maybe, but 18. <laughs> I could put me down for 17. 
I may be showing my age a bit, but uh, <laughs> that's what I always think of when I think of like the era when I got into Formula One in seventeen races. Trusty yeah. old man of the podcast to suggest seventeen rounds. Fine, RJ, have it your way. Seventeen rounds it is. I'm not fussy like that. I'm a good sport. Tit. Right. So let's start with the easy one. What do we have as our season opener? We can't uh, have apart. Go old school, Interlagos. Ooh. Ooh. Now that's not a bad shout. Good track. Is, produces good races, especially in the rain. Changeable mm. climate. Who can forget 2003? Yeah. Um, I I want to go in a different... I want to go in a different direction with what I was thinking with mine. Uh, you know, because one world championship has a pretty entertaining season opener under the lights in desert of a dubious political sanction. <laughs> so why not have it in Formula One? That's right. We kick the season off with a night race in Bahrain, which is perennially one of the most entertaining events on the calendar anyway. Okay, I think, I think I'm going to acquiesce. We're going to go... <laughs> You bitch, King. You gave up. You rolled over so easily. I actually would have stuck with Interlagos, but fine. Fine. Bahrain is the opening round. I have it written down on this calendar. Bahrain is the opening round. Fine. Okay. But only, only, now, one, only caveat. We gotta go back to back with Abu Dhabi. Ew. Mm, I don't like no. Abu Dhabi. No, that's that's not gonna work. Um, if we want to, if we want to, if we just want to lessen the logistics here a bit, why you don't we can both rounds by putting them back to back? Chuck it on down to Portugal, where we go to the Algarve International Circuit, perennially one of the best facilities mm. and one of the more entertaining tracks. It probably should have had a Formula One round, but doesn't. Do we want to start the European season so early? I'm not against Portugal, but I'm maybe not so early in the year. It's the Iberian Peninsula. It's not. It's. It's not going to be like frigid. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be frigid. But come on, man. Got. Got to. Got to save Europe for that middle chunk. Says who? <laughs> Says me, the European that wants to get out of the European <laughs> Union. <laughs> get your Brexit jokes in, y'all. Get your Brexit jokes in. Okay, there's I'll... no there's no greater Brexit joke than Jacob Rees-Mogg. His Ugh. name is Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah, a dude was born in 1890. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> moving on. Also, I must say, I actually bought tickets to Jonathan Pye stand-up show for next March. Can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be so lit. If you don't if you don't know who Jonathan Pye is, you'll know what I mean. Okay, okay, okay. I actually. Second round. Well, how about we go to Thailand? I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Is this a bike calendar? We, we, we. I mean, it, it's, it's a decent venue. It's, it, it would, it seemingly would be, it would do well for Formula One. A lot of long straights, tight corners. But no one would go to it because it's in Thailand and it's a bike country. Mm, I don't know though. I don't know. Because it's, it's on the World Superbike calendar right now, if, and it's going to be on the MotoGP calendar if next the, year. If the king, if the king to be crowned, um, show turns up, they will come. Yes. Just, just 
bring the king on over there. Um, I I would love. See, here's the thing with Interlagos. I don't know if you want to put it back at the front of the calendar, or if you just want to put it towards the end. I'm kind of yeah, it, towards, like, put it towards the end. Yeah, yeah. Like here's the, here's like my general idea. If you're gonna like try to group the cat, like try to group the tracks together. So if you're gonna have Brazil, you have to have it at either end, and it and it has to be with other circuits in the Americas. Yeah. Fine. Okay. Should we make it easier and we try and plan what the finale would be and we go in between? Mm, nah. <laughs> nah. Fine. Nah. Fine. What's planning? God forbid someone has some thoughtful thinking here. I mean, jeez. <laughs> Guess I'm chopped liver here again. Uh, okay, so round two, what we're going with for round two. Well, if you want it to be near Bahrain, you're going to be thinking Middle East, right? Or maybe, like, do we put Sochi in here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sochi is also... Wait, Sochi's a street circuit. God damn it. Damn it! <laughs> wait, Moscow Raceway! <laughs> No. <laughs> Stop this. Okay, okay. I'm going to put out the Michael Jordan gif where he just says, Stop it. Get some help. <laughs> okay, there, Malaysia's also an option. So Yes, and that's always been a solid second round. Yeah. So I like Sepang. So we go Sepang, okay. Yeah, we'll go for Sepang. That's a, that's, a, that's a good pick. Always a solid track. Okay, round Super three. Cool. Round three. Do we keep Shanghai? I would keep Shanghai. It's an underrated circuit for entertainment. I'll say that much. China has a knack of producing good races. They don't turn out on practice and qualifying, but they will turn out on race day, and the races are generally pretty good. I don't know. Like, what what do you mean turn out for race day? It's like, are, are, are they really, like, they might as well be papering that event, like, more thoroughly than Vince McMahon in 1995. (laughs) <laughs> oh no stop that <sighs> okay the question is do you want to stay in that part of the world yeah okay if you're going to stay in that part of the world do you have an early Suzuka race mm, I am it goes against my moral code to have Suzuka anywhere other than the back half of the calendar Moral code. <laughs> Moral but, code. <laughs> but, but, however, however. Brother Ryan is laughing in the background as, you, however, as we speak, by the way. However, um, since we don't have an Albert Park street circuit, we can acquiesce and put the Australian Grand Prix at one Philip Douglas Island. That is true. That is true. The best round on the MotoGP calendar, if you ask me. Yeah, but the thing is, would it work well for Formula One? It would be a super fast lap. Good God. You wouldn't be able to pass anywhere but turn one. Yeah, it'd be like mid-Ohio on crack. Perfect. Formula One needs needs some really fast laps. <laughs> I, I want to get in the mindset of, like, we don't always have to pick, like, the same cookie-cutter tracks. We could... It's a czar calendar. We can try some different stuff. If we want to have, like, a 55-second lap at Phillip Island, then yeah, let's have a 55-second lap at Phillip Island. And have Mark Marquez be special guest operator. Also, <laughs> other option in the region. If we really, really wanted to, we could have a second Japanese Grand Prix early, at the, early in the year at Fuji. 
that could work. Get it, get it out of the way of the rain season. Fuji? Yeah. Yep. Fuji it is. That's a good shout. 90s Fuji Speedway. 90s Fuji Speedway. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we can't, we don't own a time machine here. We gotta work with what we got. Yes, we do. I'm the doctor. <laughs> oh my god. Black doctor in the house. We're going to 90s Fuji Speedway and having 55 second laps, damn it. Oh dear. Right. Okay. So, now do you want to start the European season? One more round. One Either. More round. Either, okay, I think this is going to be do or die for both these tracks. Because I have a feeling that they're not going to come back at the back half of the season. Shanghai or Abu Dhabi, like, I think it's do or die. It's either we pick one of them now or, like, they're going to get dropped. I put don't Shanghai like that. in. I put, I, I, I'm all for Shanghai. I'm not a fan of, of Abu Dhabi. I've okay, round five, Shanghai. Round four, you mean? Right? Oh, four. Okay, four, Shanghai. Yeah. China, Shanghai. No India. I love that brother Riley in the back just shouted, "No India." <laughs> no, no, yeah, of course. We're, no, <laughs> no, we're not doing that, Ryan. Don't worry. Um, we're not. We're not going to the Sebastian Vettel circuit at Bood International Raceway. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. We start the European calendar. What do you want to start the European calendar? Uh, we go we go on the Iberian Peninsula with the two A's. Yes. Uh, Aragon for the Spanish Grand Prix. Algarve with the Oh, Portuguese that'd be fire. That'd be back. fire. <laughs> so Spain first with Aragon? Yep. Yes. Yeah, that could work. I love Aragon. It's a beautiful circuit. Portimao. Yeah. Algarve. International. I, 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 gentlemen, I propose we have a French round in there at some point. Of course, since there's like no Monaco. So, do we stick to the real F1 world and when we go with Paul Ricard, or do we return to Magni Corps? How about. Uh, I'm just saying, this might like. I don't know what the FIA would think in terms of safety, but I mean, oh, circuit, do it. circuit no. de la Sarth, man. That's mm. not where I was thinking you were oh, going to go. Oh, you, you think I was thinking like Poe or like... <laughs> no, I was thinking, I was thinking Ruan Leisars. Oh yeah, that's also an option. It, it doesn't exist, like, I mean, like... Mm, man, open like four lane public highway. <laughs> like, I don't know that. Like, think about that. Gran uh, Turismo Four style circuit that is sort of mini Le Mans. We can call it. We'll have it in May. You know, we'll have a no, mini no, Dre. We're we're not going to the Bugatti circuit. That is garbage track. Get out of here. No, I'm, I'm talking about the full thing. Oh, the full thing. Mm, no, I think we're like. RJ was talking crank about that. Crank that wing back and let's hit <laughs> three hundred on the straights. Yes, boy. So, boy. circuit de la Sarth. Circuit de la Sarth, it is. Because we we need a unique round to Monaco in here. Yeah, twenty-two lap race at Le Mans. It's lit. <laughs> okay, so. After Le Mans, 
Assuming we're gonna stay in Europe. Yeah. Should we make our way more central to Europe? Because it is the summertime, and you know, northern central Europe is not gonna be deep frozen anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you think? Mm, are you trying to say that uh, some Nordic countries might be on the cards? Kimmy Land. Kimmy Land. <laughs> Kimmy Land. <laughs> Photo GP's got it. Why can't we? Kimmy Land! Kimmy Land! Imagine the fan fiction. Oh my god, man. And it's the Kimmy Rig. It's the Kimmy Rig. Stop trying to give Kimmy Raikkonen an amusement park. When he already has his own memorial circuit. (laughs) Honestly, I would be in favor of a a round in Finland just because, like, yeah, Finland's one of your best Formula One nations in terms of like championships won for how few drivers have had. It would and, be wonderful. And boy, their fans already travel travel already. Imagine if they actually had a home race to go to. But what's home track then, fellas? Kimmy Ring. Yeah, it's the only option. It's literally the only option. Finland. The only is other then? one would be Hungar the only one would be Hungary. <laughs> Kimmy Ring! Okay. Any name is totally coincidental. Yes, the name is coincidental. It's it's spelled K Y M I. Close enough. And I think mm, Germany has to be next. Ger- Germany just has to be next. But where? Germany's got to come back. And this is always the tricky thing in real life because no, but I cannot. Yeah, the Nurburgring Grand Prix circuit um, is short of cash the Hockenheim ring doesn't want to have it every year no burgering hmm see I don't I'm kind of in the opinion of just like I used to be very lukewarm on the Hockenheim ring Grand Prix circuit but driving it driving it's a lot better yeah, it, it's a lot like it, than it watching it. Yeah, like it drives better than it is to watch. But King, do you want to pay a thousand pound for tickets? Hell, the mm. Dutch will. Or we could always, you know, just go to the old kickback plan of every other year. So, do we alternate between the Nurburgring and the Hockenheim Ring, like F one has done? Uh, mm. oh god, no. this is our calendar. We we can we can do better. Uh, one one fact, or the other, fellas. One or the other. Germany does not need two rounds, and they don't really care about F. No, no, like every other, not not two German races in one year. No, that's fair enough. And it's like if they really needed to go on the cheap, they could always add a third circuit to the rotation because Germany has a lot of like F one ready circuits. Like Saxon Ring, yeah, because like it's been ages since F one has want, been to East Germany. You want you want elevation changes? Yeah, you'd have you no, got you, got, you wouldn't Saxon. have a single overtake at the Saxon Ring. It's too small. Nah, nah, you 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 underestimate the acceleration capabilities and how like how much larger the braking zones are compared to MotoGP bikes. You make a good point, Matt. So, out of nowhere, 
Saxon Ring, your new home of the German Grand Prix. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sharing whoa. it. Sharing it. <laughs> I would not. I would not. If it was every year at the Saxon. No. No. Goddamn no. You'd have so to we, stink. So we just do a three-year rotation like the Super Bowl rights in the United States. Oh, cool. yeah, yeah. That would be ideal. That would be ideal. A German round rotating between the Saxon Ring, the Hockenheim Ring, and the Nürburgring. So the the Jim Nance Ring, the, <laughs> the Joe G- Buck Ring, and the Al Michaels Ring. Got it. I was to call it the the Bermuda Triangle of Hell. Right. Do we slot the British round in here now? Yeah. Yeah. Do do we play it safe? <laughs> do we play it safe with the British round? Old no. school Silverstone. Old school Silverstone. Again, Dre, we don't have a time machine. <laughs> Lies! We can't, we can't just turn it into a weird-looking, oblong, rectangular sort of thing. Um, the new sector one of Silverstone sucks donkey dick. Bring back the old circuit. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it! <laughs> I, I have more fun at Donington. I have more fun driving Donington Park. Yeah. I know it was supposed to be the, old, the new home of Formula One in Britain some time ago. Put it in Donington. I have no objections to this because, yeah, Donington's a better circuit for me than Silverstone. Yeah. The one and only F1 race it's ever held was an all-time classic. Mainly because of the start, but, like... Overrated race. Ryan is <laughs> <laughs> shouting Boston in the background. <laughs> uh, he betrays his more wide round of Silverstone. Um, and we also like we need to get rid of that lap record like all time lap all time lap record at at Silverstone I mean at at Donington Park it's held by Alan Prost from the 1993 qualifying session what's wrong with that (laughs) I mean it's it's only a minute 10 we could do so much better we're gonna have a 105 lap race around Donington oh goodness um I could also Brands Hatch, but Brands Hatch Indy. <laughs> Get out. You want a short lap? You want a short lap? Who turned <laughs> you? Who turned you into bloody Leon Haslam right now? Jesus Christ. Make it stop. <laughs> okay, so we are up to one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine, ten rounds already. Damn. Yep. So, do we stay in Europe or do we start thinking about branching out? No. We gotta close out. We gotta close out the European leg. Sorry, Austria. You. It's been fun. You will have a great life on the European circuit. Magello, um, damn it. We will put the Brit, the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa. Sure. Yeah, because. Zolder, no, no. If, if anyone suggests Zolder, get the hell out. <laughs> yeah, it's well, just well like, I guess yeah. I'll leave then. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna suggest. I like Zolder. I played it in shift two, and it was fun. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's, but you're going up against going up against Spa Frankershire. No, you, you can't beat that. You're gonna go Spa. I, I also will. I also will fight in somebody if we don't get him a lot. Um on there at some yeah. point because Imola is fucking is, great. We need yeah, an Italian this round. Is, 
This is the other point of contention because we acknowledge that Formula One does need a race in Italy. The problem is that the race at Monza lately have been lukewarm. And drop Monza. Cut. Yes, yes, drop Monza. Monza's got I'm to sorry, go. I'm sorry. Like, like, worst case scenario, we have our Italian Grand Prix rotate between Mugello and Imola because maybe Imola can't afford it. That's a good point. I'm okay Imola, with that. Imola, since the revamp, has been very, very good. Like, you just drop one of the chicanes that you obviously need to have there, and boom, it feels a lot better. Yeah. Um, so, okay. I will also... I will also accept, and you can add this as a third part of the rotation if needed, if we revamp the Curva Grande... We can go back to Monza because you know that's not a real no! corner anymore. It's a straight. It's a straight. It's a glorified straight. Just knock out the first chicane, reprofile the first section, open up the Lesmos again. Actually, you know what? Just knock out all the damn chicanes. Just make it a slipstream fest. <laughs> make it a slipstream fest. F1 we're needs not, a plate not, race, goddammit. <laughs> We're not doing old school Hockenheim again here, RJ. Yeah. No. I, I think Monza's sorry. It's Monza's it's time. gone. It's time. <laughs> it's time to let go of the past. And bring back old school Britain. Uh, no, no. Uh, it's but... time it's time to it's time for the NASCAR Monster Energy Cup series to embrace its new future playoff finale venue at the Monza Raceway Oval. No. Right next up. <laughs> okay, how many rounds we got left? We we have we have five. Okay, bye bye Europe. <laughs> Where to? The Americas. Yeah, we go to the Americas and we go. Mossport. <sighs> mm. yeah. See, that's that's the tricky thing because like. I wanted to do. I, I genuinely wanted to do Brands Hatch, but it's so little overtaking to oh, offset the elevation change. Imagine what most sports gonna be like. That's like most sports be like every other track in Canada. <laughs> Is it most sport or most sports? I don't yes. know. I don't know. Just Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. Just like like that's. Just... Oh dear! And then there's just give these cars fenders and have encourage them to race like they do in the truck series. And then you there's also be... our other Canadian option. It would be Montreblanc. Montreblanc. Never even heard of that place. You've never heard of Montreblanc before? No. Is that is that wrong? I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's, it was like in one of the grid games. I'm pretty sure it was in one of the grid games. It wasn't in the first one, then that's the only grid game worth caring about. Do you want to bring back grid two? I also <laughs> exactly. want to propose this as, you know, just a thing here to try to sweet the deal. And, uh, yeah. Uh, owner, one Lawrence <laughs> Yeah, I was about to mention that. No. <sighs> no. Uh, it's either this or we don't have a Canadian Grand Prix. Or we pretend that the Circuit Villeneuve is a road course. <laughs> we pretend that it's not in a public park. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. 
So as yeah. Far as, I, as far as I'm aware, it's a road course, damn it. Also, I propose we have two American rounds. Oh, baby. Because so, we because we want to push the sport in the United States. So yeah, let's have two this, American this rounds. This DV deal isn't getting it done here. Yeah, I guess we can just say bye to Canada then. Yeah. Sorry, Canada. Did we plug You're into the- Lagos in here or is that too early? Too, too early. Yeah. Canada gets its concession, though, in the form of Watkins Glen. Yeah, that's close. Ooh. That's close. And we're not we're not changing shit. I propose we put Suzuka in first, and then we go to Watkins Glen. Oh, buddy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We could have one stopover before we head to the Americas. Suzuka Circuit Japan, then USA, Watkins Glen... Now do we do Interlagos? Mm, no, we got to do America back to back. We can't just go up and down willy nilly like that. No, I, I have a grand idea here, folks. We go. Indianapolis is the season finale. No, no, no. As an get as out. an o- as an oval race. No. What do you mean no? That's a great idea. It's a, it's an outside the box idea. Yeah, it's a, it's, damn it, it's, it's very, it's, it, I like it. I like the ambition. Yeah, I like the my ambition. Ri- but there's my no. original, my original idea was just gonna go down the American Peninsula, Watkins Glen, Coda, Mexico City, Interlagos. Yeah, I don't like Mexico. Ooh. Okay. Ooh, okay. Then. As an alternative for Mexico the Latin is a bad Ar- Ar- Argentina, Arge- Argentina, Argentina was exactly what I was thinking. So Watkins Glen, then Argentina, but what track? The the, uh, the MotoGP one now. I prefer the MotoGP one. I don't know about RJ. Hmm. Yeah, like I, I like I like He's Rio Honda. <laughs> RJ's muted his microphone for the <laughs> He's thinking. He's thinking hard. He's, 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 I'm he's sorry, crunching what was the that? numbers. But, but, <laughs> but Indy finale, that's... Mm, that road... Like, the road course is not good. Like, I'm, I'm who not... Said en- who said anything about the road course? Yeah. To me, it's the oval just... isn't even an option. Why not? Real An oval finale, Dre. Really? <laughs> IndyCar's yeah, been screaming for one for several years now. Not in Indianapolis, Dre. Yes, it's Indianapolis. Why the hell not? <sighs> Give me one good reason why we can't do this. Yeah, if anything, it could it could be a fun do, do, creative do we exercise even, like, to see. Open up the box of various reasons why like it would not be suitable for Formula One cars. <laughs> It would be a fun creative I'm sure challenge with some to see, minor tweaks it could happen. To see like, all these high strung engines. realize like the IndyCars run negative downforce at, at, <laughs> at Indianapolis. They run with lift. <laughs> I was going to say here, I was going to come in and say it would be a fun creative exercise just see all these F1 engineers try to make an oval, oval downforce kit for their cars. Without violating the current sporting, re- like the current technical regulations. So they basically they couldn't show up with a one-off car they would have why why must you piss on my bonfire king 
Because those are the rules, Dre. You can't just break the rules. Rules are meant to be broken. As we've proven in the Centennial Cup, rules are not rules cannot be broken, but they are malleable. They can't just show up with a one-off car for one race. They okay. absolutely can. Okay, fine. Watkins Glen, Argentina. We're up to fifteen rounds. There's two to go here. I I say. Finale is Interlagos. Your yes, yep, Interlagos sure. is my finale. Okay, I'm fine with that. And I say second American race, Circuit of the Americas. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Put it at, but we we finished. We started the season with a night race. We can finish the season with a night race because Texas has got money. They can put Musco lighting around that event. Oh, hell yes. Have it be a Saturday night finale because you don't want to go up against Sunday night football. <laughs> Wait, shit. It's it's Saturday night in Austin, Texas, too. Damn it. I didn't think this through. It's fine. Yeah. We'll figure it out somehow. So you want, still want Brazil as the finale? Yeah. yeah. Brazil is the finale. Yeah. Okay, so... Our 17-race calendar as follows. Bahrain, Malaysia at Sepang, Japan and the Fuji Speedway, China with the Shanghai International Circuit. Then we, then we head to Europe with Spain, the Spanish Grand Prix at Aragon, Portimao at the Algarve International Circuit, a, a special race at Le Mans and the Circuit de la Sarf. Then Finland in the Kaimi Ring. A free race rotation in Germany between the Saxon Ring, Hockenheim, and Nürburgring. After the summer break, we go to Great Britain for a race at Donington, then Spa. A two-race rotation in Italy between Imola and Mugello. Um, Suzuka. Watkins Glen. Um, Argentina at the Termas Rio del Hondo. Um, Circuit of the Americas, and then the finale at Interlagos. Sound good? Man, those Hungarian, those Hungarians are gonna hate us. The Dutch are gonna hate us as well. Nothing you know of value was lost. Nothing of value was lost. That's what happens when you build your track on a sand dune. <laughs> sounds like a plan. It's a good calendar, yo. We'll put it up on Patreon as well, so you guys can see it first. That sounds pretty cool to me, James. If you're listening to the show, send me a DM on Twitter, and I will send you a T-shirt as a thank you for filling out this much of our podcast. Only fair. Hey, I'm a generous dude. I like doing little things like that. So, James, shoot me a message on Twitter. I'll send you a T-shirt. Thanks for the help, man. Much appreciated. Should we crack open the mailbag. And I love that he's basically now Mr. Meek Seeds from Rick and Morty because, God, I just started watching that show the other day on Netflix and it's funny as all hell. Um, Do not trade your car for a packet of that damn sauce. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I figured out how we can buy the McLaren F1 now. Actually, uh, someone already beat us to the punch. Someone already actually traded a used car for a packet of Szechuan sauce. That was my inspiration. <laughs> oh, I was okay. thinking, that's what how we f- finance the McLaren. <laughs> Get a packet of Szechuan sauce and bid it. 
<laughs> like, that's the name of our episode. Swapping some sauce for a McLaren. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's too inappropriate. It's perfectly appropriate. That is not safe for work. <laughs> the I entire podcast. I liked all of the. I liked all of the lights. It's ironic considering the last two weeks and the first attempt at recording the show. <laughs> Fine, uh, we'll go with that. He asks, by the way, using foresight, give us your 2021 team engine and driver combos on possible new teams. That's one that's probably a little bit too loaded for this show. Oh my god, do we have another special episode again? <laughs> Listen, we haven't got much going on in the world of motorsport between now and November. I'm sure we that can cram true. this in that somewhere. We will cram that in at some other point. Brian, stick around. I'll keep it in our favourites for future reference. We're doing the follow-up. Yes, sir. Yeah. Toki, uh, Gearhead1902 asks... Is there any one thing that F1 lacks that could be gained from other sports? Where do you start? Oh, there's so much. So much to learn. Streaming. 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 They're asking about that now. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the one good thing that could potentially maybe come out of the CSPN deal. Yes. Here for it. Well, for, for us, not not you, unfortunately, Dre. Yeah, shut up. You can borrow my Watch ESPN subscription. I love you, RJ. Uh, so, you know, things like that could definitely be a thing. Any other suggestions, fellas? You're, um, you're, you're, you're bigger American sport heads than I am, so, you know, something's got to scream out to you guys. Um, well, well. and pageantry. Yes. Why I'm glad that Michael Buffer is doing the driver introductions for the Formula One race. And, y- you know, you don't even have to, like, look into other sports. You could go to other motorsports. Like, balance of performance would be really nice. Like, really nice. True. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a very Especially good one as well. Yeah. Looking forward to some of those ideas. Send us some in the comments. Why not? Um, Joseph asks, a girl in black, of course. Which F1 driver will have the most unfortunate fashion and life choices at the USGP? This this seems heavily targeted at one person. Who could it, it possibly sounds, be? It sounds targeted at Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> wild card here because we have friends that we know of that have found the Tinder account of one Pierre Gasly. <laughs> oh, Pierre God. Gasly's on Tinder. What? <laughs> He had been at some point back when he was still in GP2. What a guy! <laughs> like, Gasly must have been getting all the thirsty girls on Tinder. <laughs> um, I think it's I think it's gonna be... Brendan Hartley, I feel, is gonna try something too drastic to try and blend in with the Formula 1 crowd. Dra- drastic Formula One crowd. What are you talking about, RJ? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. Do not be surprised if Brendan Hartley rocks up to Coda with all business in the front, party in the back. Are, are you suggesting Yo. mullet? Yes, the trashiest mullet you can think of. The full Hildebrand. Yes, tasty. <laughs> I also love that Ryan King made a suggestion for questions by going, okay, anyone want to bring some civility to the mailbag? Wait, actually, any questions about Carmen Jordan or her worldview? 
What is wrong with you, King? <laughs> you degenerate. Hey, hey, just be grateful no one actually replied. Oh, That's goodness. also very true indeed. Um, last question. That's our good friend of the show, Henry Chapman. The only guy with a better Hamilton hat collection than me. Bastard. Um, he says, which street circuit do you miss most from IndyCar? For me, it has to be either Vancouver or Edmonton. That's one for you two, I reckon. Mm, mm. If, if Edmonton counts, then, by God, Cleveland. <laughs> Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, Fun it's... times in Cleveland again, still <laughs> Cleveland. Have, have, like, have it all just be bankrolled by LeBron James. Yes. He is, after all, the major hub of Cleveland's economy. Just the Goodyear Quicken Loans <laughs> Grand Prix of Cleveland presented by L- LeBron James. <laughs> Sweet. Um, there is one other question that I would like to throw in. You know, some questions in the mailbag have some sort of weight. You think it's all equal, but there are questions that have more. Um, Rhino GT4 sent as a reply to myself because I, again, pose this as only the most American questions for the most American mailbag ever. Oh, no. Hashtag America bag. Oh, no. Rhino GT4 asks, how many freedoms can you eat while jacking off an eagle downing a can of Budweiser? Well, the answer well, is, the answer is 50. One for every state in the Union. Well, God bless taken, America. I'm taking the need in, in response to this, to this ridiculous question. <laughs> Taking the knee, yo. I've had enough. I'm tapping out. I'm tapping out. Because I think we're just about done here, folks. <laughs> what a great way to end it. <laughs> I'm taking the knee. By the time we come back for episode 109, we'll inevitably end up talking about the Grand Prix of the Americas. And hopefully Lewis Appleton wouldn't have wrapped it all up by then. If you haven't already mentioned it, check out Bike Live. Last week's show, Down to the Wire, talking about some of our favorite title finishes. And obviously this week we'll be talking about a ridiculous MotoGP race at Mategi. Stop me if you've heard that one before this season about MotoGP and ridiculous races in the same sentence. Um, a ridiculous, another classic in MotoGP at Mategi between Dovi and Marquez. Well worth the watch if you haven't already. And the BSB title finale at Brands Hatch. Shaky Burn and Leon Haslam went to war one last time with a somber yet Kind of satisfying and all at the same time. Um, places you can find us one more time. We are on YouTube and Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at unders- Motorsport underscore 101. Our personal Twitter is at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, and that Ryan Eric King. And as I've said before, if you really like us, you can back us on Patreon at Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Don't forget, at the five level, you get early access to both this show and to Bike Live every single week. We'll be back here for episode 109 next week. But until then, I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Ryan King and RJ O'Connell. We're going to start our own custom sports calendar in Bahrain next week. Until then, sayonara. Later, y'all.